Today's lesson is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. One of the hopes of Christianity is that we somehow, by some way, receive the message that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God, which can change us and change everything we do. The hope doesn't end there. The hope is that the Christian church, which gets that message well, can then take that message out and treat everyone else like they are the beloved sons and daughters of God. And the hope is even greater than that. The hope is that everyone in the world can catch a glimpse of God's love, a glimpse enough that helps them realize that they are the beloved sons and daughters of God as well. The hope is bigger than that. The hope is that we all start acting like that. And so that our countries and our governments and our workplaces can start treating one another and all people as if they are who they really are, beloved sons, beloved daughters of God. It doesn't take much to realize how far we are from that hope. At this past church council meeting, this week, we met in the Asbury Room and we were talking about the scriptures that call for the church to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And how important that is for the church to be able to do that well in this day, in this age, because there's so much hurt out there. There's so much darkness out there. There's so much depression out there and in here. And we were reflecting on how shaken we all are to know that the suicide rate in our country has increased 25% 
28 percent between 1999 and 2016. And the suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain has raised this pain to a point where we can't look away. And we realize that suicidal thoughts are not just out there, they're even in faith communities. And in a few meetings this week, we heard from one another that some of us who are faithful people have also gone through dark times. And in fact, in one meeting this week, in our acknowledgement of that, in our honesty with that, in our vulnerability with that, one sister in Christ said, you know, there's someone here in this room who reached out to me when I was going through a dark time and called me up every day to help get me out of bed. And in that moment, those of us gathered in that meeting knew we were standing on holy ground because people could acknowledge and be honest and reflect that this community of faith here in the Chatham United Methodist Church has people in it that reach out to folks going through dark times who are able to be with one another in the no matter whatness of life. And that is good news. Do you know that the government in Great Britain has actually appointed someone to be the minister of loneliness? Because the rates of loneliness, especially among very young youth and very old people, is skyrocketing in the United Kingdom. And I would say they are not alone. But their government has recognized the need is so great that they have appointed someone to care just for that dynamic in the whole country, to care for people who are lonely, who are going through darkness. In this culture of Chatham, and Madison, and Florham Park, and other places similar to this. We all try so hard to look like everything's okay, to put on the game face, and when people ask us how we are, to say, oh, doing great. That's a lot of pressure to keep up that facade, especially when someone is going through darkness. The hope is that the church is a place where we can be honest with each other and that we can let that facade down. And when the church is really at our best, we 
can walk with one another and not feel like we've got to cheer someone up or take them out of that landscape, but to rather be that incarnational presence of Christ and walk with them through that landscape. Now you may be wondering, what does this have to do with the gospel? that we read today, that Elizabeth read today. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like someone who would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day. And the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. I couldn't decide this morning which passage, which version of the Bible to read out of, so I'm feeling led to read out of both. This is from the message. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all. Without his help, first a green stem of grass, then a bud, then the ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps. Harvest time. The Greek word from the New Testament is automoteo. The, The seed that is sown grows automatically because that's how seed Grows. That's how God created the seed. That's how God works. Automateo. But the seed cannot grow if it were not sown in darkness. Now let me be as clear as I can, God does not create darkness. But there is darkness in our lives. It is part of the landscape through which we walk. And our invitation is to trust that God is doing something in the darkness, in the soil of our lives, in the soil and darkness of the landscapes through which we walk. And that may take every ounce of faith to trust that God is doing something in the darkness. The scripture goes on because Jesus, apparently, after he shared that first parable, must have received a whole lot of blank looks (laughs) of people who kind of said, well, that's a nice parable, but I have no idea what he's talking about. Because the scriptures are quite explicit, he, he says this, 
He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Do you see him searching? Do you see him looking? Do you see him responding to the blank looks? Or what parable can we use for it? Do you see Jesus trying to think of another parable that might just work because Jesus wants to convey a message? (laughs) And then he talks about the mustard seed. It seems like Jesus seems to like small things. I don't know if Jesus knew about electrons. It's great for those who are worshiping with us online. When Pastor Sharon led the time with young Christians, she said at the coloring table, what's the smallest thing that you can think of? And a kid said, electrons. Yes, that's good. That's a good answer. God seems to like small things. And Jesus says at the end of this, well, the scriptures say, Jesus explained these parables, these metaphors, to those who had different life experiences and different maturity levels. And we can understand these parables at different levels in their application to us as individuals and our application to us as a people, as a community, as a country, as a civilization. I sense that sometimes whole nations and states and civilizations go through darkness. And I sense this week that we have hit a new level of darkness in our politics. When the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, justifies a policy that separates nursing toddlers and babies from their mothers who are seeking asylum and justifies it by quoting scripture and saying that somehow this policy is connected with the good news of the gospel, I sense that we are in a very dark time. If the good news of Jesus is not good news for everyone, it's not good news. That's one of the ways of kind of seeing if it's really of the gospel. Let's ask ourselves the question, is it good news for everybody or is it good news for just a few? If it's not good news for everyone, it's really not the good news of Jesus. If governments want to set policies that exclude or separate families from one another, that is certainly a choice they have, but to call it the gospel, expect pushback from certain Christians. 
we are invited to trust that even when countries go through dark times, that God is doing something underneath the soil in places we cannot see or understand. And God, because God is God, is always going to be bringing fruitfulness out of that darkness. Even when we forget that the seeds have been planted and we go to sleep and we wake up and all of a sudden we see something growing and we wonder, how did it get there? We're invited to trust that God is doing something good. I close with this. Steve Garnis Holmes, a pastor, a United Methodist in New England, is a poet, a mystic. He writes this. For those of us who are trusting that God has sown good seeds in us and in the world, He writes, you are a tiny speck of God's infinite love. When you let yourself be sown into this world, given to low places, what seems tiny unfolds miraculously multiplied because it is God and becomes great, a cedar of Lebanon, a mighty oak of love, a safe refuge for the weary, a source of life and comfort for the meek, a welcome home for God's little ones. We only see the seed, but the unfolding awaits. Amen.